0: have too, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week. Brooklyn and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's waiting to be nominated,
1: Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. I will let you know, though, I will give you plenty of notice before I get nominated. It will not come as a surprise. I won't just stealth drop nominations. Um, You will have plenty of notice, and everyone will have ample opportunity to um, not get nominated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a week. Um, We have, I think, a absolutely jam-packed episode of gaming news. So much so much happens, Christian, uh, in in one single week these days. It is it is nigh on impossible for us to cover it all. Yet we shall try. Uh we shall take on that challenge. And you know what? We have enlisted a fantastic guest to do it with us. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Canada and your downloadable Christian, but this week I am so excited because DLC stands for deputy and lover of confections, because we have the deputy reviews editor at IGN by day and pie maker by night. Mr. Tom Marks joins us for the first time. Hey, Tom.
2: Hello, man. I I admire your energy. I wish I had that energy. Oh,
0: you know, (laughs) you just, what we like to do is you just like to, to, to uh, lick a light socket right before you start and then uh, it's all good. (laughs) Well, that's my secret. Um, I'm so excited to chat with you. I know that you've been playing some fun stuff that I'm e- excited to hear about. And we have so much news. Let's jump right in and start. I, I don't even think we should do story of the week. I think this is officially the final Summer of Games.
1: It's the Summer of Games on DLC. You're going to get hyped up in the
0: it won't it won't live up to our expectations. I don't know you guys. We'll have to decide at the end if that's really the case, if it lived up or exceeded. But let's jump right in and uh march through all of the huge news this week because my goodness, we had a PlayStation 5 event. I think uh this is probably the final event before we actually get the consoles in our hands seeing as how it's, you know, mere weeks away at this point. They'll figure out
2: a way to drag it out more.
0: Yeah. I, have I mean, It's probably true. <laughs> it's probably true. Uh, we found out a ton of things, including the biggest thing, which is the cost of the PlayStation fives, because there are two different SKUs and the availability. It's launching November 12th, two days after the Xbox uh, series S and X and uh it's gonna cost you $4.99 for the disc version or $399 for the digital edition with no optical disc drive. So that's pretty big deal. And uh we got the first round of pre-orders. Tom, my first question, did you get a pre-order?
2: I didn't. Uh, no? I uh, I spent the entire this actually this last week I took off I took like the busiest week uh, in recent <laughs> memory and then I was like oh okay I'm just gonna take a vacation that week and I kind of I checked in the night pre-orders opened and tried like for maybe a five minutes on Best Buy and was like the site was just totally borked and I just yeah. went, you know what I'll I'll come back to this next week. <laughs>
0: It has not gone well is is the uh is the general consensus I think. Yeah. Uh, Christian Spicer, did you get a did you get a pre-order for a PlayStation 5?
1: I did. Also, people in chat, this won't affect the RSS, but they said my audio was echoing, but I think I have it fixed now. Let me know, chat. Um now I will answer the question. I did. Um you and I, I think, you know, it was nice having a friend again, Jeff. I like text messages, not about how are you doing, not how are no. the kids not Stats, you know strategy life it it's, it's only go, strategy it go. was
0: pre-order strategies yes
1: I'm, I'm gonna be doing dungeon run um i can't answer but text me
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it was wild uh wednesday night we were uh pinging back and forth you were you were watching those wario 64 tweets uh we, we were on top of it when walmart came up we both left at walmart and then target uh yeah i, I currently have two pre-orders in because in this crazy, weird world that we're in now, getting a confirmation email that your pre order is set does not mean that you actually are confirmed that your pre order is set. Yeah, it is a weird and wild thing. There's a number of people, particularly from Amazon, who has informed everyone that just because we said you bought it doesn't mean you bought it. Uh, they said there there are many people that will not receive their consoles on launch day. Uh, pre order stock of the console has been selling out. In fact, Sony themselves issued a, I think, a pretty surprising admission. Uh, There was a tweet from the official PlayStation Twitter account that said, let's be honest, PlayStation 5 pre-orders could have been a lot smoother. We truly apologize for that. Over the next few days, we will release more PS5 consoles for pre-order. Retailers will share more details and more PS5s will be available through the end of the year. To be uh, fair,
1: though, um, Sony meant to send that as a private message, just like Chris Evans. it um, uh, yeah. wasn't meant to be public.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was. It was. It did come along with a a weird Instagram photo of all the inputs to the. Uh,
1: if if confirmation emails meant anything today, I'd have ten RTX 3080s. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Instead, I what have a zero. Thing. I have zero.
0: What a weird thing that like they to get a confirmation email and not. Have any confidence that that's, it's just such a bizarre, like the word confirmation should mean something. Anyway, Tom, let's just start here before we dig into all the games that they showed. Let's just start with the, with this sort of big headline news, which is price, availability, release date. What's your, what's your reaction?
2: I'm just happy this roller coaster, it has come back into the station. I'm glad it's over. Like at this point, the price is almost secondary to me to just like, yes, we know it. Right, like the actual yeah. number is almost less exciting to me than like we've been waiting for Xbox and Sony to have both of these out there, so we can really make decisions and really like compare the two. For so long, I'm I'm just super excited to see it. Now that we do see it, uh, it's not it doesn't surprise me that the the main one is at 4.99. What does surprise me is that di- the digital edition is 100 dollars less. I was really expecting that to be 50 dollars less and just sort of be an an entry point sort of option um and i'm wondering if they felt threatened by the xbox series s's three uh, 299 because that's such an appealing number and to come out with 450 and 500 after a 299 option maybe they didn't see that as like strong enough i don't know yeah yeah
0: it's interesting i wonder if it was always going to be 399 um i I think having a three as the first number is very powerful psychologically i think you know the four five zero doesn't hit quite as hard as the three nine nine, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I actually did predict the hundred dollar price Delta. And I know a lot of people were, were predicting 50. It, it just feels like a cleaner, a cleaner differentiation. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I think that it's actually makes the console a little more affordable for some folks. And I, I don't think that many people will miss the disc drive at all. Um, Christian, what did you think about the, the, That we got here?
1: Well, I will start by saying I really should keep these streams up. I I delete them when we're done the live stream. But in chat last week, someone said, I need predictions. And I said, fine. And I called the price, I called that they would tease God of War. And there was one other. There's aspect.
0: no that. There's no proof to this, and, and therefore have I have a confirmation
1: email that proves it, Jeff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the price makes a lot of sense. Uh, I agree that I, I curious. I agree with Tom. I'm curious if like the 399 was like well, we would have loved this to be 349 or you know 440 whatever it is. You know what I mean? Fifty dollars less, but also that lack of a disc lo- locks you in to buying every single thing yes there are codes you can buy you know paper codes at target and uh, a few key shops sell digital versions of games but i'd have to guess that sony gets a far bigger share of that revenue than mm. they do of the discs and so i think that hundred dollars gets made up very quickly and the other thing i think is interesting about it and i've heard rumors and these are just rumors not um I'm not revealing anything, but I've heard rumors that they do have more robust PS now plans that they will reveal at a later date. But w- it's interesting that they're both touting the, your backwards, it's 99% backwards compatible with PS4 games and they, and most of them run better also. If you, unless you have them on discs and you have the discless version. Like it's this weird thing where I think a lot of people do have both disc and discless games from this current gen and how you bring that over to a discless system, is a question that has i think yet to be answered for for a lot of people unless these systems can read your you know save states and be like oh you have a save you have the game i'm not sure how that's going to work but i think that is an interesting decision when debating going diskless or not is how often you're going to put an old disc in your console and and play it
2: yeah one well, one of the things i, I mean one of the things is that's that ties into one of the things I've been talking about since earlier this year too, which is this is like the messiest console jump ever. Right, like in terms of generational leaps, it's just so messy in terms of messaging. In terms of what do you get from one version to the next, you mm. can see that with stuff like the control thing. Everybody getting mad about like, well, why doesn't my control just upgrade to the better version? Or some games do just upgrade to the better version, and then others don't, and others you have to have the disc, and others you don't, and others some of the saves transfer were over. Like, there's just so it's so so messy. And I think that there's nothing that Sony or Microsoft can really do to like f- help that at this point, right? It's just, it's, there's going to be a lot of headaches going forward with questions like that.
0: Yeah, it, it's true. It It's a much blurrier line, differentiation line. I think I started with Microsoft saying, hey, everything's going to work, you know, cross gen and we're not going to put on any exclusives. And then Sony seemed to make some big deal about like, well, we are want a big demarcation line into uh, the exclusives on on our system and and a big generational leap and then we find out after this event this week well not so much it turns out uh the next horizon game uh miles morales and uh what was the third one um horizon no i said horizon already the sack boy one yeah yeah. Yeah. right all of them will be out on playstation 4 as well as playstation 5 so they're kind of doing the same thing that Microsoft is doing. What do you think about that Tom do you think it is um it contributes to this sort of blurry line thing, or do you think it's it's do you think it's good for the consumer that oh hey, you don't have to upgrade your system to play all these big upcoming first party things
2: yeah that's that's the the big question right of like i I think I'm a very big proponent of release games on as many places as you can reasonably do so because giving consumers choices i'm always for that right mm-hmm. but at the same time it brings up this weird sort of question right it, it makes you even if this isn't necessarily true and even if the developers uh, you know will say this isn't the case this isn't the case Xbox or microsoft had to do that for that when they said everything's gonna be black backwards compatible themselves it brings up this question of like well is Horizon Forbidden West really going to be a next-gen game then if it has to be made on the PS4? And I'm absolutely nowhere near savvy enough in development to be able to know that, right? But it does, regardless, it brings those questions up. It makes you ask those questions. And you sort of don't even want people asking those questions at a certain point.
0: Yeah, you want it to feel like I've got to get this new hardware, or right. maybe not. I don't know. I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to be Microsoft's plan to force people into new hardware.
2: But Microsoft is on the back foot. They sort of have to play a different game at this yeah, point. Like that's that true. that's that's Microsoft and Sony in this gen- generational jump have been doing very, very different things, right, from – everything for, I'm sure you guys have talked about this previously, you know, that Sony really, really is trying to say, this is a new thing. This is the next thing from mm-hmm. us. Whereas right. Microsoft is sort of treating it more like a computer generational thing where it's like, yeah, you can just get game pass and play it on your phone. If you want, we don't really care what hardware you're using as long as you're in this Xbox ecosystem. And it's two very, very different and both equally sort of valid strategies. Um, But it is – I think that that means that when you hear things are also coming to PS4, it hurts Sony more than it would hurt Microsoft. Right. Because Microsoft's entire message is play it where you want, and Sony's entire message is this is the next big thing.
1: Except Microsoft's message of play it anywhere you want also with some of the games they showed. I believe Forza might be one. I I forget the specific – But like that didn't have a current gen tag on it. And then they were Mm. like, well, for this first year or plus things will be, it, it it gets messy. But what I'm trying to hold on to is this idea of pretty much every generation there have been cross-generational games. And that's the thing that I think is normal and expected. It's hard for, you know, to, to think that Sony's going to walk away from what is it? 120 million PS4s or whatever. And I understand Microsoft's play to want to have a bigger gap and a bigger bridge and not force people into it and get them into the ecosystem. And if the Series S can really deliver, then that's awesome. And then the other side of that for Sony is, I know what Horizon Zero Dawn looks like on PC, and you could tell me that's a next-gen game. Like, and that's, <laughs> an, that's right. an old PS4 game. So I, I do think there's a well, possibility. But that's, I think
0: that's the difference between this generation and previous generations, is it is basically flipping some switches and adding ray tracing and faster load times and it it is much more like a pc upgrade to a console title than it ever has been i think
1: right which is why i think horizon to no subtitle um <laughs> could could be an outstanding true next-gen game and a game that still works on PS4 and is probably still a good game, but is not the optimal way to play it. Longer load times, not immersive foliage, not ray tracing, kind of like how Control was this current generation where I played through a third of it on standard PS4 and still enjoyed it and would recommend after that big first big patch came out, but I played the entirety of it on PC and that's a next-gen game. So I think there still is room that we're still going to be wowed and impressed by these things. We've kind of just, at least I, kind of bought into these early selling points of like, no, it's going to be next-gen only. We believe in generations. And then I forgot that every year they do this. And some years, Sony releases their flagship game for the old system. They did it with God of War multiple times, right? It's like, you know, I I will be okay. I I think uh, to that point, I
2: also agree because I think that the... I feel like the community has collective amnesia every single new generation and is like, this launch lineup is terrible. And it's like, every launch lineup is terrible. I don't like, there, there yeah. are very few generations where a console will launch with five must play games, right? Every, every console generation has like one or two things that are really, really cool and then some other stuff. And, it's never the end of the world. A bad launch lineup never means the death of a system, right? It'll it'll kind of it'll make it past that, <laughs> even if well, even if these things are cross gen.
0: Well, we can we can actually talk about that directly. Kotaku just put out an article that I found interesting comparing the launch lineups for every PlayStation launch, um, and they list all the games. We can talk about specific games if you like, but the the hard numbers are. Uh, PlayStation 1's launch lineup had 12 total games. Seven of them were exclusive. Zero of them were cross-gen, of course, because it was the PlayStation 1. PlayStation 2 launch lineup, 29 total games for the PlayStation 2's launch. 21 of them were exclusive games, and only four were cross-gen. PlayStation 3's lineup, 14 total games at launch. Six of them were exclusive. Eight were cross-gen. Most recently with PlayStation 4, the launch lineup was 25 games. Only four were exclusive and 18 of the 25 were cross-gen. So this is not a new phenomenon. Of course, here we are at PlayStation 5. The numbers for PlayStation 5's launch lineup is total number of games 10, which is the fewest. Um, you know, there were 12 for PlayStation 1, 14 for PlayStation 3, but 10 is the fewest. Exclusive games 3, cross-gen 5. So you, it it, oh, sorry, is this, it is, I mean, pure math, pure hard numbers. It is the smallest uh, launch lineup of, of all time. But I totally agree with you, Tom, that it is, we have short memories and we don't realize that like the PlayStation 4's <laughs> launch lineup was full of a lot of stinkers. Well, and and,
2: and yeah. also this is the first generation where, how do you count something like Warframe or Fortnite or, you know, Apex Legends? Right. How do you count those games that, are going to you know if not launched directly then around launch you're just going to be able right. to keep playing them right like this is, is it, such a weird gen that way too
0: totally and and there's so many things that are just sort of nebulous like uh, you know destiny and all that but it's yeah. funny that you brought up warframe because warframe was a playstation 4 launch yeah. title
2: yeah it was <laughs> it's crazy it's and still that relevant better, and it, it's better today with the ps5's yeah. launch than it was then <laughs> it's wild i mean uh, really really talking, kudos to them
1: if we're talking launch games predicting system successes we'd all still be playing our dreamcast like <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: that's 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 just mean <laughs>
1: i'm just saying it came out the gates you know It like, really did so, um, it's yeah the,
0: the, so a couple of other things here that i want to mention um one christian i don't know what you were referencing specifically about the hearing rumbling about playstation plus I don't know if no, you meant now, that as like a now. Just, me, PlayStation Now. I don't yeah. know if you meant that as a um, like a, substi- sub- a subsidy model, like Microsoft is doing. But
1: no, just how going have- to handle backwards compatibility for PlayStation One through Three? It's going apparently. I've heard they're trying to make it more robust, and and uh, you know we'll hear more about it.
0: Well, I mean, we heard confirmation from Jim Ryan uh, that um, they are not going to, quote We are not going down the road of putting new release titles into a subscription model." So there is that. They're not, the quote from Jim Ryan, we're not
1: doing it. We're not going the route that Microsoft is going. So Was that before which, or after they'd give us plenty of time and notice to pre-order? When, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just, thought, I found that interesting. Um, and
0: the, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say about the, oh, <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to bring up, did you, have you, any, either of you seen the, uh, the mockups of the size comparisons of the PlayStation Five with everything—it yeah. is huge. <laughs> it is huge. There's a picture of it sitting. Uh, somebody did a um, a mockup of it sitting on a shelf next to a switch and uh, next to like a big TV, and it is it is monstrous. <laughs> and it's ne- and then they did one next to how the uh, Series X is going to look compared to how the PlayStation Four looks. And it, it, it's, it's, it is enormous. I'm surprised, uh, but you know, so be it, Let it, yeah. let the beast, let the beast grow. That's what I say.
2: I was, I was surprised by bo- how big both of them, the series X and that ended up being once we started seeing more practical things coming out and the series X is, you know, not as large, but like, yeah, these are, these are big, this is a big generation. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. It is. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the important stuff. The games that were shown, and we can step through all of the things. Uh, they started off their event Sony did with a pretty big reveal, and that is the next mainline Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy 16, which looks like a return to sort of more medieval esque uh, look. You know, we're, we're out of the car with the boys, and we're into more of a, a fantasy, you know, real fantasy setting. Uh what did you think Tom of what they showed for Final Fantasy 16?
2: Um I'm I've never been like a huge huge Final Fantasy nut, I'll say that much, but yeah. I'm definitely intrigued by this. Like it it looks cool and 15 was a really fun cool game and the, the actually the most exciting thing to me like the trailer itself was cool but didn't tell me a ton. Right. Because Final Fantasy yeah. has been and can be so many different things that I didn't get a ton of vibes off of it more than like, this is neat. Right. Yeah. Uh, the thing that excited me most about it was hearing it after hearing afterwards that Naoki Yoshida was going to be directing the game because um, mm. he's he, go, he goes by colloquially named or known as Yoshi P. And he was the director and producer of Final Fantasy 14. And has uh-huh. done such an insanely good job with that game that hearing that he's being given the reins to the main series next main series game is like really, really exciting, so I think that there was a there's a lot of potential here, and I'm very excited to see what they do with it, but also this trailer didn't immediately make me run out in pre order necessarily if that makes sense
1: Christian, what did you think of it? Yeah, I like the direction they're saying it's going. I find it interesting it seems um what's the right way to put this not more combat focused because there've always been a lot of combat in final fantasy games just kind of how that combat is delivered mm. and i'm not sure but i kind of got the feeling that it's maybe embracing more of that final fantasy 7 remake real time and i i you know, there have been so many Final Fantasies and so many sub-fantasies of Final Fantasies that it's hard for me to keep track of them. I was like, I know what Original 7 was. I know Tactics. I kind of remember A, and then I don't know anything else after that. But I, I like that they keep evolving with it and playing with it. And I think the the people they have working on this thing, one, I hope it hits a date. <laughs> and, and two, I think it looks really interesting. And it's a big get. That was the other thing that, Was rumored that I had in last week. Chapin gets to see, but an exclusive Final Fantasy is another big get because that was a big stage moment for Microsoft when they were able to you know walk that out and say like coming to Xbox all these Final Fantasies and and Sony's pulling it back seven and then now this one as well. I don't know if Final Fantasy is has the brand cachet it once did, but I still think it is a a another arrow in that quiver.
0: Yeah, fifteen of course had you know real time action combat as well. Um, and I think that that's just what Square Enix does now uh, that they, they've, you know, there is a way to kind of finesse uh turn-based ish in seven remake, but not really. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, they just, that's just what they do now. Uh, much to my chagrin, cause I'm a fan of the turn-based stuff, but
2: you know, I miss, I'm with you. I miss the turn-based too. I think what they're doing with combat stuff, especially seven Remake, seven remakes combat, I think is phenomenal. But I, I just miss the classic a little bit, too.
0: Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of turn-based stuff. Um, anyway, so Final Fantasy 16, I thought that was a pretty pretty cool way to start the show. Yeah. Then we went to Spider-Man Miles Morales with actual gameplay, a, a sequence that looked really incredible on top of the, I guess, Brooklyn Bridge, I'm, I'm thinking, um, a bridge in New York and a, uh, a really spectacular sequence with lots of effects and seeing some of what makes Miles Morales different than Peter Parker, some of that cool uh, electricity uh, attacks that he can do, the, the sting that he can do. Um, what did you think of that, Tom, the Miles Morales gameplay trailer?
2: The, this trailer, I think, was exactly what I want to see more of from events like this, right? Like it, It's felt in the absence of E3 this year, like so many people have just relied on cinematic trailers. And I was really, really happy to see six, six, the 16 reveal did this too. They showed a lot of gameplay in there or what, you know, we can assume is gameplay, but it was so cool to just have them after the reveal say, here's a little bit of cinematic stuff. Here's a quick explanation of what you're about to see. Here's just a chunk of gameplay. Like that was really nice. And it's cool, man. I was a, I was a big fan of the first game. Right. Um, and this just looks like – I mean this maybe didn't convince – do a lot to convince me that this is the next-gen follow-up full sequel to that. But right. it did convince me that this is a cool follow-up to Spider-Man that I'm going to want to play. So, you know, yeah. that, that, they did that well.
0: That's exactly my, my take on it is like, yes, I immediately want to play this. I want I want it in my veins as soon as possible. Nothing about the trailer made me go, oh! I definitely need to get a new console to experience that. Right. Unlike something like, you know, the ratchet and clank trailer, which is like, holy moly, that just seems like something this generation couldn't do. Um, but that, you know, okay. I mean, it's still going to be an amazing Spider-Man game from all from all apparent, uh, you know, uh, impressions that I get from it. Uh Christian, what is your take on the Miles Morales gameplay stuff?
1: I thought it looked incredible. I, I mean, coming off of. Um... And I think, Tom, did you write the IGN Avengers review? Do I have it my bylines yes. correct? Perfect. Yes, I, I agree with uh, so much of what you wrote. So coming off of that review and, and my experience with that game, I'm very excited <laughs> to jump back into Spider-Man, especially yeah. with the Batman games being as far away as they kind of maybe are. Um I thought it looked great, and they've talked about it's going to be ray tracing, better um, visibility or or draw distances, new character models, faster load times. Like, all of that stuff, I think, is going to make this game really, really sing. And I think it's incredible what they pulled off with the, the PS4 version. But yeah, the gameplay looked tight. It looked right. They have a great understanding of who Miles is, I think, in my opinion, from what they showed in that gameplay and how they interpreted the character in the first game. And seeing those new moves and powers looks looks really exciting. And I like the idea of playing, um, you know, a, a younger Spider-Man, a, you know, potentially unsure of themselves Spider-Man narratively again and, and seeing how Miles has progressed from, spoiler, <laughs> oops, we've spoiled a whole bunch of it, <laughs> but the end of the PS4 game. Um, and I'm curious who the big bads are going to be and how they're going to connect them. I never expected... A full sequel to be out and ready at this time. I think we talked about it at the time, Jeff. Of like, they did such an incredible job building that map and building that game. They better use it again, and they are. And and I'm I'm perfectly happy with that.
0: Yeah, kudos. I think it's a. I think that's a wonderful way to make a sequel. Honestly, like, I don't need a a new Gotham City every time. I don't need a new New York. Just fill it with you know nooks and crannies that are different nooks and crannies. You know, put it pull out a different section to focus on and, and build that out. If that can increase the, or make, you know, make the time between games shorter and, and feel like I'm part of the same universe. I think that's a great plan. I'm into it.
2: Yeah. Um, And and like you said, Christian, they clearly went past just, you know, new abilities, right. And it, it definitely has a different vibe to it in a way that suits miles in a really cool way. And I, I think that'll go a long way towards making what is probably going to be a very familiar feeling game feel different too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think it will because his powers are so different. I, I hope, man, I'm just, I'm super excited to play that. Um, all right. So we'll do, we'll do games in, in chunks now so we can uh, move through the rest of the Sony presentation. They did show quite a number of games. Uh, the next three are Harry Potter's Hogwarts legacy call of duty, cold war gameplay sequences, and the resident evil village gameplay trailer. Uh, Tom, any of those three pop out to you in particular?
2: Yeah, the the Hogwarts thing it, it's interesting to see this game finally shown because I feel like they finally showed it and I still don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's I'm it looked cool. Like I'm definitely into it in that regard, but Avalanche has been a company, a studio that has delivered games that are consistently very fun but potentially not always super deep right? Like, yeah. if, like Rage 2, Just Cause, you know, those games are always a blast, but they're always like a little thin. And I I just want to see more about what this actually is because I have faith in that studio and obviously they're using an IP that a lot of people have a lot of love for. Um, but it, it was another one similar to Final Fantasy where it was like, yep, that's a game I want to know more about, but also <laughs> yeah. like that's, yeah, that's about it.
1: Chat is yeah, the- saying that this is the Disney Infinity Avalanche, not the Rage. Oh, not the Rage. Oh, okay, avalanche.
2: okay, okay. That's a Which, good course, distinction too.
1: Easy to keep, uh, you know. Developers with the exact same, no, not the exact, but similar name. Thank you, Chat. Um, but also, I think your comment still applies. Disney Infinity Triumph, but also, you know, had some shortcomings. But I, I think the larger point that I heard Tom is like what is this game still like, like literally what do you do in it? And, and other than it's Harry Potter, I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. Third person action game, I guess.
0: Right. Uh, maybe yeah. it's, a, it's a story game. It looks like a story game to me. I mean, you go to class evidently, and then well, and you select a character and you, you probably are picking a, you're out of the sorting hat. I'm sure at some point.
2: That's the thing though, is I don't have, I'm like, I feel like I've been like, uh, like, Avengers has just put this sort of paranoid curse in my head where they're talking about like, you get to leave Hogwarts and go out and visit the world. And I'm like, it's going to be a destiny game, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like I just had yeah. those moments, you know, where I just don't trust it anymore and not saying that would be a bad thing. Um, obviously, you know, it's funny. I, me getting those avalanches mixed up because I, yeah, Disney infinity, I think has a similar sort of thing where it's like, I've had a lot of good things about it, right. A lot of fun things about it. And then also parts that, you know didn't hit quite as well and so it's like i just don't know what to expect from this in a really like in in so many different ways uh and it's just weird to see that this game actually exists again like we're getting this we're getting batman all these games that have been whispered in myth for the last few years are now finally actually being shown
0: yeah yeah Kind of exciting to see a little little taste of what they are, even if we kind of can't gather a lot. But yeah. uh, Christian, Christian, did you uh, did you get excited about seeing gameplay from Resident Evil Village?
1: Well, my fr- last my last Harry Potter thought, and I think it's telling of oh, J.K. When like you have a game that's been long rumored and wished for, finally get announced, and then the I forget if it was the publisher put out a statement like she's not associated with the game directly. Like, yeah, that's. And any other time it'd be like oh hard pass won't play could you imagine like you know yeah. 20 years ago like uh, no, george sure. lucas not involved with star wars in any way and now it's like well, oh thank god the <laughs> creators are yeah, sure, involved i'm sure
0: they they made sh- wanted to release that to make sure people were like oh the the stink of, <laughs> of her isn't on it which it's is really wild. sad but yeah it was in
1: royalties so keep that it, in mind um, is
2: she involved was in the faq that they published at the announcement
1: right? yeah wow yeah <laughs> that that is wild. Call of Duty. To answer your question now, Jeff, looks amazing. I mean, it looked amazing. They're all named so poorly. I can't keep track of them. The last one I played, <laughs> the last single player campaign I played on PC with ray tracing looked amazing, and it's nice to see that. You know, I was watching. I watched the later uh, like HD high res stream of it, um, and it looks like that is what's coming to consoles now. Um, or the PS5, I should say. The the game itself does not super excite me. Again, to go back to the Harry Potter FAQ issue involved. I still don't think this game is going to land the nuance that I would need it to to be playing holiday 2020. Um, but it looks beautiful. And I'm I'm more... I personally am more interested in how they're carrying over Warzone and what they've talked about about that. And that was not the focus of this this trailer. This trailer was, in my opinion... Jaw droppingly beautiful graphics coming to console on Call of Duty.
0: My favorite part was 1981, one of the most dangerous times in human history. It's like, really? I'm- was alive in 1981. I don't remember that. They said but, one uh, of them. They
1: didn't say it's the most. Or, <laughs> like, the most is now. Yeah, <laughs> it was the year that uh,
0: Rears of the Lost Art came out. I remember that being pretty big. I don't know. You know, that's about it. Yeah, it anyway, oh would
1: be, uh, oh be a kid again, Jeff. My kids will look <laughs> back at 2020 and be like, I don't know, I watched a lot of Pokemon. Meanwhile, I'm bald. and you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um.
0: But actually, that wasn't my question, Christian. I asked you about uh, Resident Evil Village, but I'll take that one. Um, which uh, also looks real good, but Boy, talking about 2020, there's just no part of me that wants to play a horror game in 2020. <laughs> I, I tweeted out during the, the conference, I was like, giving me a trailer for a, a horror game in 2020 is like trying to sell me ice cubes in the middle of a blizzard, you know? I'm just like, I, I, I don't need, if I want a horror, I'll just look out the window, I'm fine. Uh, but it does look, you know, I'm sure Resident Evil is, is going to be very good and I enjoy those games in any normal time. Sometimes Oops. I
1: feel like horror like that. Like, I like horror movies as we're getting into, you know, um, shock, no, you know, spook timber, shock, t- like, you know, Halloween gets longer and longer because horror movies are so fun. I think that type of escapism almost does work for me. Um, my issue is that I just need to know that I'm not going to play it in VR because that's what... Rune seven for me like i can't not play yeah. this in vr also i can't play this in vr <laughs> right
0: <laughs> yeah i i hope they still haven't said whether it's coming to vr have they i don't think they have i, I hope it does uh, yeah Sony's so kind amazing.
1: of been like pussyfooting around the whole it's like they put out a statement recently where it's like better in vr here we have a new camera Your headset works. Some games will be better.
0: (laughs) No mention of it at all in this event. Uh, No mention of VR, which is disappointing to me. Um, Okay, the next three games are, uh, we got gameplay for Deathloop, uh, a special edition for Devil May Cry 5, and uh, Oddworld Soulstorm gameplay. Anything there, Tom, that piques your fancy?
2: Deathloop. Always Deathloop. Deathloop forever. I'm full on board for this game. I don't need to see another thing about it. I'm in. Arcane you can do no wrong. Just, just give me, just give me the game Inject it straight into my veins. Seriously. Wow. Like I, Arcane is this studio to me that just makes games that do not look good to a wide audience and are weird and impossible to explain to any human being and are always great. Like I right. love the Dishonored games. I love the new prey. I, I will play this and I, I'm super in, like I have my doubts that, I, I think it could have issues, right, with what they're trying to do with this like asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. You're playing a you're single being player game, but all the but, time, yeah. right? But being hunted. That I'm not saying that's definitely going to work, but I want to play it. <laughs> all right,
0: I love it. I, I, uh, I am definitely worried that it's going to be super frustrating. We're like, okay, I'm just logging on to go through my uh, single player. Exp- oh, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally.
2: It could absolutely have that, and that could totally bring it down. But also, yeah. man, they've done weird things before and I've been into it. So I yeah. i trust Arcane. I really do.
0: I also uh tweeted during the the presentation that seeing anytime I see Deathloop, it makes me wish that somebody would make a new No One Lives Forever game. That <laughs> franchise was so good. I loved it. And it just has there's some overlap to the aesthetic that reminds me of uh Nolf very much. Uh but Christian, any any other of those games? What about Oddworld or I know you're a Devil May Cry fan, so seeing a special edition is kind of cool, huh?
1: I am a Devil May Cry fan. I I think they did such a good job on Devil May Cry 5. I I don't have a need for the special edition personally. Like I thought it played really well. The action was smooth. The frames were nice. I'm not looking to replay that game, but I also, while I love them, I'm not the type of person that plays games, those games to get S ranks on every level. So I could see that, you know, if you are that person, that's probably very exciting for you, but that game feels like you kind of nailed it. I don't know what's, missing like i'm curious what the last of us 2 eventual remaster you know if it comes out will be like i don't know load times weren't super long the game was really pretty like what do i what do i need and like devil may cry 5 seems to be coming out so soon like 10 years from now will i want that yes you know like i want like the shadow of the colossus redoing i'm sure i would love that but the current game i think i have for free somewhere you know from one of these systems (laughs) services and it holds up
0: yeah i think it's on xbox game pass um all right, so we have to talk about Demon's Souls because I think that game really showed very, very well and kind of made a case for next-gen all by itself. Uh, and it's going to be a launch title, a full-on day-one launch title, Demon's Souls, which I don't think had been announced before this that it would actually be part of the game's uh, day-one launch. And just seeing, you know, gameplay of walking through a, a cloudy gate and there being zero load to the next section already got me like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for the for the no load time future. I'm just so ready for no load times ever again. It's just awesome. Um, but it also looked really good, didn't it? Tom, what did you think of Demon's yeah. Souls?
2: No, no, it definitely did look good. This was one where I know people were pretty ravenous about this when it first got announced. And I really liked Demon's Souls way back in the day when it first came out. But I wasn't exactly jumping off the walls about this just because like, I wasn't sure if I'd really want to go back to it. And they did a great job making this look really, really slick. And also I think importantly, not just bloodborne or dark souls, right? Like the, it it has sort of its own flavor to it visually where it's a little bit more sort of classic medieval. It's a little bit brighter even. Um, And I think that, did a lot to make me actually pretty interested in
1: it.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised at how much, uh, flair it got, you know, even, even the the notes left on the floor, like were animated and glowing and like, mm-hmm. you know, little bits were shimmering off of them. And he, I I remember those being basically just like textures plastered onto the ground. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool. It looked really, really good. And Christian, no loads dude are you are you ready mentally for a no load like loads would just
1: not be a thing anymore i i hope that remains the case i i am very excited (laughs) about that and i hope that's more than just the first launch window game where it (laughs) was the ps4 like put a game in it start playing it instantly and i put kill zone in and i was like this is amazing and then like the next month games came out and they were like you got to download an additional 80 gigs and i'm like that's amazing <laughs> but yes no yeah. load times and i'm curious to see how developers uh, accommodate right because a lot of times uh in my opinion load times are developers have been very good at masking them and covering them with elevators or kind of walk and talks but also then using those moments narratively to allow me to rest <laughs> you know and like mm. Now there's no load to put in, so I think developers will still need to be cognizant of allowing those moments to let me put my controller down. Um, and, Where will and, I get my tips, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where, <laughs> Where am I going to get my list of up?
0: tips that, that, that there, there's too few of, and I, I always read the same ones over and over and over again? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I'm very <laughs> excited. I'm very excited. I will never know how to do a smoke grenade, though, but I'll I'll be okay with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Also, the PlayStation Plus collection was a big surprise here in the event, Um, gathering together really, I think, a greatest hits collection of PlayStation 4 games that evidently will be completely free. You don't have to own any of them uh, as long as you have PlayStation Plus and playable on your PlayStation 5. All you got to do is download them. You don't have to put in anything. You don't have to have played any of those games, and it is it's a who's who of, of the greatest PlayStation 4 games. I was pretty surprised. I think that is a wonderful addition to add value to PlayStation Plus and really uh, bring those games to the new console. Hopefully they will have some upgrades, some, you know, no loads, for example. But uh, I thought that was a pretty big deal. What did you think, Tom? Uh,
2: this, every time I see something like this, I wish, I don't know if you know that subreddit called Patient Gamers. yes i've heard of it yeah just the idea of just you know what play everything a few years late and it'll all be free and updated and patched and way better and it's like man it's hard to argue with that when you look at this and you're like (laughs) oh no like this is every great game that like you would want from this is in this collection so yeah yeah it's 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 hard to fault this it really really is
0: yeah, if you have the patience uh, as a patient gamer to, to wait for it, you will literally have enough here to carry you over until the next crop of things gets put out for free for you. It's just uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours of content that is just like, boom, right there. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, and then, oh, Christian, did you want to comment on that?
1: I was going to hit on a few of, like, so we didn't mention in any of the games. God of War, Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted 4, Last Guardian— infamous second son ratchet and clank days gone bloodborne batman arkham knight uh persona five there are just some of them i think there's 15 or 20 games like
0: yeah it's a pretty amazing curated list
1: and i i what to me this feels like the reply to game pass and mm. I don't know if they will keep updating this and doing this type of thing. Maybe this becomes part of the updated PlayStation. Now that I've heard rumblings about or an updated PlayStation plus or something where it's like, you won't get the newest, but it's going to be more than, you know, what we had been doing. But I think if you're looking at what to play on launch day and Xbox is like, we don't have halo, but you have all these games on game pass. And a lot of them are last gen games. I think Sony's saying like here are whatever it is, 15, 20 of some of the greatest last-gen games for you to play right now. Also, P.S., here's this other great stuff coming. To me, it feels like a very smart counter for those first launch window. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, And then, of course, we got the God of War teaser. Ragnarok is coming. uh, You know, surprising no one that a new God of War game, but and and we got no indication of when. Uh, It's just sort of general sense of god of war but it still got me excited because of how much i love that game and the idea that this might be leveraging the power of the playstation 5 i i i bring it bring it on um what are you hoping for from a god of war tom
2: well it's real quick it's so amazing like i think it speaks volumes to how kind of packed this showcase was that a god of war follow-up teaser was almost like a footnote it, it, right <laughs> yeah. like the people were i saw way more people freaking out about miles morales and final fantasy 16 and the price and the pre-orders and all that stuff that i almost forgot there was a god of war teaser here and yeah. that's pretty wild like that's that's really cool i'm totally stoked for this uh i'm excited for whatever it's going to be like you said not a huge surprise that it's coming right and them leaning into the ragnarok angle makes a ton of sense um yeah i just i'm just excited to for whatever this might be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I am, I'm curious if it's a 2021 or 2022 game. But, I feel like uh, if you
2: just get a logo, the answer is longer than you think.
0: Yeah. That tends to be the case yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, Christian, I'm assuming you're on this, on this, on team excitement as well.
1: I, I honestly just need to know what your tweet is going to be, Jeff. Like, <laughs> how are you going to compare this game to the, it's like, imagine a game and then it's God of war one. And then you say it's this game.
0: Yeah. You, you'd think that I would learn my lesson.
1: Uh, I a couple of times I now. am very excited. I am also very curious um, what Corey's involvement is. I know, mm. I believe, I remember reading that he's kind of moved up, stepped up, and I'm curious. I, I trust Sony Santa Monica, you know, the team there. Everybody, it, God of War was not Corey's game alone, but, you know, the documentary and other aspects of it, you can tell he put a lot of his life and love into it. And this is i'm curious if this is a sophomore album so to speak like sophomore slumps are real and i'm, I'm curious to see how this game handles it and, and tackles it because the last one the god of war you know reboot i would say had no expectations on it right like it was coming off of ascension which was not great well, i mean it I feel, had a lot of expectations and people started it. to see it yes but like no, i
0: think you put out any game with that franchise you know especially a reboot i think there's there was some expectations.
1: Well, I, I would say they're heavier now. It has an yeah. albatross, and I'm very excited to see how they deliver and knock it out of the park because um, that game was real good. <laughs> well, the
0: albatross for me, honestly, is the unbroken single camera t- you know, move. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to know if they're committed to that as a staple of this franchise or that was a one-off thing. Because I know I, just seeing that documentary, hearing Corey talk about how difficult that decision was every step of the design process every step of the game's production like do they stick with that is that now what defines the new god of War or is it back to being a sort of regular game presentation I hope I hope they stick with it because to me that was a very powerful way to view that game world uninterrupted uh, and and I, I it'll be interesting to see if they pull it off again or even attempt it Uh, All right, we have some uh, final thoughts on the PlayStation 5 event coming up, but I do want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh my goodness, I have told you about Squarespace for more than a decade because I use it. I love it. I recommend it to my friends and family. Uh, JeffCanada.com is housed on Squarespace, was designed on Squarespace. It's just the best way to make a website if you have any reason to make a website. And let's face it, at some point, all of us need a website, to either promote our work, showcase the things we make, blog, or publish content of all kinds. Even selling products now in this COVID world, it's even more pronounced, the need to have an online presence. You gotta do it, and why would you pay someone a very hefty amount to design your website for you when you can make it yourself? Do it yourself, it's simple, with the tools that Squarespace, Squarespace affords you. These are all drag drag and drop. What you see is what you get. It's so simple. You start with this brilliantly, beautifully designed template that they have professional designers design. And then you just start messing around with it. Make it your own. Drop in all the things you need. You need e-commerce, drop in e-commerce. It's so simple. You have a little storefront widget. You just drop it right in. it works. Just move things around, add stuff as you like. It's all customizable and it's so simple. They have built-in search engine optimization. They have built-in analytics. There's never anything to upgrade or patch. It's all handled for you. It's just the easiest way to do it. You don't have to learn HTML. You just do it yourself. Plus, if you run into any issues, they have 24-7 award-winning customer support to help you out. It's it's great. And like I said, I've been using it a long, long time. So why don't you head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me Start your free trial, build your website, see how easy it is. You don't have to give them a penny to do that. You don't even have to give them a credit card. There's nobody gonna auto-charge you for using it. Just build your website, and then when you're ready to launch your website, use our offer code, which is Jeff JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe, and the promo code Jeff me for 10% off. All right, fellas, Uh, let's just uh, mention one other quick thing, which is the confirmation, not during the event, but after the event, that uh, all of the next-gen games that Sony will be putting out will be $10 more than what we have been paying for for a great number of years. Uh, We talked about this a little when uh, Take-Two and Activision were mentioning it, but now it seems like Sony is on board as well. Um, these games are going to cost $70 uh, uh, for U.S. currency. Uh, the exception, of course, is Miles Morales, which is a lower-priced game. Um, but what do you think, Tom, about the entire industry potentially following suit with this? It seems like everybody's decided uh, that it's going to be $10 more this this time around.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm so kind of... Torn and of two minds on this price jump that I see as sort of inevitable. Um, On the one hand, I think it just is a drag and anybody who's annoyed by it, who's just a, you know, a gamer who wants to just buy their games is... Rightfully annoyed because they're going to be paying more money for a thing they want. And I, that's understandable. Um, I think that I understand the perspective of, you know, if we were following inflation, they should actually probably be $80, right? You know, so maybe this is even less than we could have gotten. Um, I understand that, but I also at the same time am like, well, you know, like, The games industry is making you're making billions of dollars off of these things with DLC and all these and microtransactions, all these other things and the price is going up, you know, so it's I get it rationally. I understand why it's happening, but I also, you know, it's a it's just a drag for for people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it certainly makes something like Xbox Game Pass seem even more valuable. I mean, if you're does. If you're talking $70 for one game or $10 a month for 100 games, many of which are day and date first party games, I mean, it it bums me out that Sony isn't getting on this bandwagon. I would love to see the, you know, the Netflix versus Amazon Prime video of video games. You know, I I, I want that, that arms race to happen. Um, But yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a bummer. I
2: totally... Go ahead. It definitely feeds into what I was talking about earlier too, of like Microsoft and Sony are really going different directions, right? They really Mm -hmm. are doing different things. And I'm not a smart enough person to say, you know, call the shot about which one's going to work out for who, but, uh, it's, it's very, very, it definitely, this sets them apart even more.
0: Christian, I know we've talked about the $70 price point a lot, so I don't expect you to have a lot of, uh, you know, new insights, but it you know it it's seems like it's really happening across more than just a couple of companies.
1: Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll repeat what I've been saying for years. I'm super excited for it. I'm tired of paying sixty dollars for games. I, sometimes mm, I just yeah. leave it. I burn an extra ten after I buy a game, um, right. just to feel just good an about effigy. It. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm glad now. It's you know, I agree with so much of what Tom said. It, it's frustrating when there are so many other. Ways that they're monetizing games that they didn't used to before. Gaming is so weird right now, though, because we also talked about at the beginning of of this section: Warframe, Fortnite, Rocket right. League, now as well. Um, all of these games that are free, and like, and I would say good free. There are bad. There are a lot of bad free games out there, but I would say that a lot. Some of these games do it really well as also, and so it's this it's this weird double edge and then also as Tom already mentioned uh the subreddit's really good patient gamer go go be patient like they're they yeah. these prices will come down and <laughs> anthem won't be good so don't buy it you know like just wait
0: <laughs> there are a number of a number of games lately where i've gone you know if i just wait a couple of months it's going to be on
1: game pass
0: uh unless it's, it's, it's a wild a, thing
2: unless it's a nintendo game in which case if you wait too long then they'll be $60 again later well, no, somehow not available.
0: Yeah, you won't be able to get them for some reason. A, we decided that there's too many bits that we've delivered over the internets, so you can't have these anymore. I, I, yeah, yeah, manufactured scarcity, Nintendo style. <laughs> um, all right, that wasn't the only huge event that happened this week. In fact, there was an event that predated the PlayStation event, and that was Facebook, Facebook Connect uh, debuting Oculus quest two and a whole bunch of new VR games. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because I know I'm way more excited probably than anybody else, but I'd love to get your thoughts, Tom on Oculus quest two. It's a upgrade on a number of specs. It's gotten, I think across the board, fairly good reviews. I know the IGN review was very positive about it. Um, and everybody that I've talked to that has had, face on with this thing says it's more comfortable, that they've really improved a lot of the uh, nitpicks from the first Quest, uh, the distribution of weight, the resolution, uh, battery life, a lot of things like that. So uh, what do you think about Oculus Quest 2?
2: Yeah, I think it looks cool. I mean, I have a Quest um, and I love it, right? I think The Quest was this thing that is just so, so easy to recommend to people. Yeah, who want to just try VR? It's just so easy to recommend to people, and this basically just makes it even easier to recommend, right? Um, yeah, especially
0: the price point, right? Which I didn't even yeah. mention, which is only two ninety nine. It's mm-hmm. just pretty amazing.
2: It's yeah. it's definitely appealing in in a really serious way. I played, you know, I, I and I liked my Quest enough. I played all of Half Life Alex over an Oculus Quest link cable on my PC, right? Um, oh, nice. So that's that's a was a competent headset at a good price already. Um. So this is a very very cool thing. Honestly, the only thing that bugs me about it is the whole Facebook account stuff that's happening. That's the yeah. that's the only reason that this is not just like a blow it out of the water, amazingly exciting announcement to me is that it, it feels very transparent what Facebook is doing by kind of inserting that whole process into the Quest and Oculus and and that deal that it's it just sort of dampens the 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 hype a little bit,
0: right. Yeah. No, I, I I get that. And I totally understand. It's, it does feel weird. Like, why do you need my Facebook account for this?
2: Like this, that's even completely removed from the sort of like Facebook privacy issues, right? Like even, yeah. even without that world, it's like, you have this Oculus account system. And like, if I, now you're telling me if I upgrade my headset, if I say, oh, you know, well, I'll sell the quest on eBay and I'll get a quest too. Like now I have to use a different account. Like why does yeah, that, that just that doesn't, doesn't make sense to me.
1: It's two ninety nine, and the value they're getting from you is all of the data. That's all they care about. They're gonna ch- all your height, your wingspan, your uh, <laughs> everything. That you know how house. valuable your wingspan is to advertisers. Dude? At some point, it will be everything. Like they're gonna target clothes that fits you. I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be looking
0: on scrolling through Instagram, and there's gonna be uh, attachable wings that'll dude, be. But that's like my size. It's totally my wingspan, right? How did they know my wingspan? It's,
1: it's all valuable to them. It is all valuable to them. You know, and that,
2: half of me, half of me hates that stuff, and the other half of me is like, how many Kickstarters for board games have I backed because of Facebook ads? I wonder. Like,
0: right? No, it's, it's you know
2: what I mean? Well, that's the. I mean, that's the old.
0: That's the old dilemma, right? Is there's nothing more annoying than an ad for something that I could not care less about, right? So what's, what's annoying, what's the stupidest thing about an ad is when I go, I don't care about Castrol motor oil. I don't care about it. Why are you putting Castrol motor oil in my face? I don't care. But when I see an ad on Instagram, that's like, oh, there, there are, there are dice made out of wood that I can get right now. Yes, <laughs> I, I want dice made out of wood. I may click on that. And so it's like, it's palpably making my life better by getting, giving me, making me aware of things that I'm actually interested in. But also, I do agree that it's it's a little weird, all these other things where they can mine data and figure out trends and like manipulate the populace in weird ways. But the, like, there's a rational part of my brain that goes, I know that most of what they're using it for is just trying to sell me things that I would want.
1: I'd argue so, that's not what they're using most of it for. That is a small it subset is. of a public-facing side of what they're using it for.
0: Well, I mean, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but yeah, of course that there's a lot of, there's a lot of things with data that are really disconcerting and I'm not trying to minimize that. But I'd also, I also rather
1: have the motor oil ad. Maybe I'm weird. Like <laughs> I, I would rather not spend money that I wasn't planning on spending. Like, I don't need to know. It's like, if I needed wood dye, I'd look into it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to see that. It's like, I will buy this tiny replica of the guitar pick. From Last of Us 2. And then I get here and it's like crappy. And I'm like, Come on, or like, I will buy this well, swimsuit. And then it's like a sticker of a swimsuit. Like, I don't need any of that's that. That's a motor- completely different issue you're talking about. Anyway.
2: Motor right. oil or otherwise, I just don't want it based on my wingspan.
1: Right. Dude,
0: <laughs> if you if you buy motor oil by the wingspan, you just get into a lot of debt real fast. Yeah,
1: Quest um, 2 is a hard pass for me. Um, not, just because of the Facebook thing. I mean, that yes but not just because because of the facebook thing like that's the, <laughs> right. the hard exclamation point yeah. i just
0: feel like i mean i get it i don't not get it but i also feel like you know there's plenty of other companies like it's a weird we just draw lines in weird places it's like okay the your line is facebook and i totally respect that i don't but there's other, there are other companies that we all use and deal with that do awful things. You know, I just, it's I just read on NPR like, oh, guess what? Recycling plastic is is not a thing. You've you've been putting plastic in a bin for your whole life, and none of it's been recycled because big oil has been lying to us that plastic actually gets recycled. And it's like, okay, I, I'm just defeated at this point. I'm just utterly defeated. <laughs> So at least I want to be in a virtual world with a very cheap (laughs) headset. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's, uh, of course, I'm being facetious. But there are some cool games that were announced at the uh, Facebook Connect event uh, for Oculus Quest 2. And notably, it should be mentioned that they also were pretty explicit in saying we are abandoning uh, the tethered only headsets. We're abandoning the Rift line and we're going all in on Quest. Uh which I think, you know, makes sense. They they launched those two headsets, the new Rift and the new and the quest at the same time. I'm sure the the ratio of sales is just ridiculous. You know, there's probably so few of those new rifts comparatively. Um it, it makes sense. Like this is the this is the way to make VR accessible, uh relatively cheap, standalone, uh versatile, and easy. It's it's such an easy, really good product, in my opinion. Um, but let me lift off some of the games and uh, if any of them seem exciting to either of you guys we can talk about them uh the climb 2 which uh, looks awesome the climb was a great 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 vr game I'm excited it's getting a sequel uh star wars tales from the galaxy's edge and jurassic world aftermath sniper elite vr warhammer 40k battle sister uh and then Games from Ubisoft uh, based on the Assassin's Creed franchise and the Splinter Cell franchise. Christian, there's your new Splinter Cell game you've been wanting.
1: Uh, a, not like a, this, a, Jeff. Not like <laughs> this. A
0: version of Mist in VR. The old Mist game, although that already happened. It's called um um, oh, what's a game called? It with an O.
2: Abduction.
0: Abduction. Yes, yes. Uh, which I played through is very, very good in VR. Uh, Population One, which looks basically like, hey, let's make. Fortnite in vr with complete with building things and flying around and it's a battle royale um and then multiplayer for beat saber which yes multiplayer for one of the best vr games you can get out there uh tom are there any of these that particularly get you interested
2: yeah weirdly missed it's it's strange mist just came out on switch too recently and it's so funny to me that that game is i'm still excited for it in 2020 (laughs) but mist was mist was basically the game that got me into gaming because I'm a youngin, and that was a game that my mom would always play on our like uh, one yeah. household PC. And watching her play that was the reason I got into games at all. Um, so it it has a soft spot in my heart, and it also just sounds really cool to be in that world in VR. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally excited for that.
0: Yeah, Mist has a, it's such a cultural touchstone for mm-hmm. so many people. I think it was this cross generational experience where. It was a game, but it didn't feel like a game. It more felt like this almost like brain exercise that people were in, you know, and it also came at a time when CD-ROM was this magical technology that really unleashed data to people. It's like, oh, you can you can have visuals that look so good on a computer because of all this data on a CD-ROM. And I think it just it really is a uniquely um, significant game for so many people, myself included, um, it's a cool that they're making it in VR. It'll be interesting to see how exactly they're doing that. Christianer, um, you know, I know you're just anti all of this, but is there any of these games that look interesting to you?
1: I mean, for me, I think I was fi- I was happy that Saints and Sinners was finally announced for Quest. Um, mm, yeah. I'll be able to play that on my gen one quest before they make me use a Facebook account, you know? <laughs> so, right. But I'm, I'm excited for that game to finally come out and beat saber multiplayer is super interesting. Splinter cell. I, I hope it's great, but like, I, I want a splinter cell. game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be really good. It could be really good. I mean, stealth stuff in VR is so exciting. Uh, it, it is uh pulse pounding to have to actually hide, <laughs> you know, that's kind of awesome. I don't know if that makes you feel like Sam Fisher, but it, Sounds cool. Uh, and Assassin's Creed, it'll be interesting to see how they make that work. Um, assassinating people. I guess I guess we're doing that with Hitman as well. But I wonder if it'll be first person. I kind of want an Assassin's Creed game in VR that's third person. I think that would be really cool. Um, too few people, I think, are doing third person in VR. It is really fun and um, effective, I think. Anyway, I'm excited. I pre-ordered Oculus Quest 2 and then canceled my pre-order out of guilt. But I may end up getting one anyway. I was like, I have the first one. I don't know if I need the second one. So I, I like jumped on and pre-ordered it, and then I jumped on and canceled it right away. I was like, ah, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get a new video card and two consoles. I can't get this now. Uh, problems we have in 2020. All right, <laughs> let's move on now and talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist.
2: Ooh, play in this
0: Tom, I know you are playing a number of very interesting things, but let's start with the game that you and I are both playing, and that is uh, Hades, which has just come out of Early Access. I I played a bunch of it in Early Access a while back, and now I'm back in, now that it has reached a full 1.0 release. This is Supergiant's newest uh, isometric roguelite. What do you think of Hades?
2: I I think this game is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I'm really, really in love with it. it. It, you know, it came out in early access right around the same time, um, has clay's Griftlands, which also yeah. hit early access and was Such a roguelike a too. and also yeah. was a roguelike that tried to do like story, more story focus on a roguelike. And both of these games I played when they launched in early access and went, I can't, I can't touch this until it hits 1.0. Cause I'm just so excited <laughs> for it Um, because I fell in love immediately and it's still so, so good. There's so much depth here. It's so pretty. It feels so so good, man. I'm, I don't have enough nice things to say about this. I don't think
0: I agree. Uh, Hades is, is just a beautifully rich product. I mean, the, the full release has so much content in it. So many nooks and crannies, so many cool weapons. I mean, it, it's built on the back of Bastion, which is still one of my favorite games of all time. I feel like it's super giant uh, of super giants games since Bastion, it feels the most like Bastion for me with the mm. different weapon types uh, all really changing up how you play. Um but and it is exquisite, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The art is just stunning. And yeah, it it tells this kind of uh, interesting story along the way as well. It's addictive. I can't, you know, I can't just jump in and play a short amount of that game i it, it has that uh, nefarious feeling of like oh you can just do a quick run i got 20 minutes i'll jump in and then I'm, i go ah oh, i got a new cool thing i got some new stuff yeah. to spend i got new currency i'm gonna drop it on a thing and and then I'm, i find myself playing much longer than i intended and, and and enjoying every second of it it's real good
2: it's it's one of the very very few roguelikes i've played and i've played a lot of them it's one of the very few where dying actually is exciting. Because you you get so much in a run, and the, yeah. the the dialogue and like the actual story evolving after each death means that when you die, it's actually like okay, cool. Now I can play this part of the game, and I can go back to the House of Hades, and I can talk to some people, and I can give some gifts, and I can sort of reevaluate what I want to do next. And I yeah. I don't think I've played that another rogue like really like that where where when you die, it's not really just like the end of it. It's just the next step
0: yeah the other thing that it does really well that uh a few roguelites do but not not enough in my opinion is that it it, it is confident enough to give you things that make you feel op every run mm-hmm. like the the upgrades that you get to your weapons and the, the like i don't know what they call them in the game i can't remember but the the the, the um little perks the little uh modifier things that you get What are they, yeah runes that's the right boons boons Oh, boons! Correct. Um, th- those often feel so powerful, and I always mm-hmm. go, "Oh my god, I got something incredible!" And a lot of roguelikes will make that progress seem much more incremental and much more, uh, you know, a real grindy of like, "Okay, well, you'll get something cool, but you'll need to, you know, die a bunch of times and earn the 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 currency slowly over time." And I love that this game—it kind of reminds me of something like Risk of Rain, where it's it'll load you down with just an incredible arsenal in any one run, and you go, oh, I'm I'm a god, but the enemies are still so tough that you end up dying. <laughs> I just I love that it's, it feels like Diablo, where you just like constantly feel op all the time, even though the challenge remains. Uh, and it's a, it's a it's a wonderful line to walk of making the player feel empowered like that, but also not making it a cakewalk. So Hades. In 1.0, uh, I think it's only I think it's only 20 bucks, right? It, um,
2: it's criminally cheap. Yeah,
0: it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's such a huge release. There's tons of content, and it's uh, yeah. It, I think it'll, I'll be bringing it up at the end of the year again. I think
2: it, it reminds me of, like, I think it is $20 and it reminds me of one of those, it, it reminds me of Hollow Knight too, where yeah. Hollow Knight is like $15 and you're just like, what? Like this this is a 40 plus hour Metroidvania and it's $15? Like, okay. And Hades, I think is the same way where there's just so, so much depth there that yeah. it's absolutely worth the ticket price.
0: So what else is on your playlist?
2: Man, so much stuff. <laughs> I jump around a lot, both out of just like personal interest and and just to keep myself on my toes for work. Um probably the thing that I've been playing most frequently recently is a game called A Monsters Expedition. And then the subtitle is Through Puzzling Exhibitions, but they leave that off the Steam name because it's quite long. Um,
0: I looked this up when I saw that you yeah. wrote this down in, in the notes, and I had not heard of it, but boy, does it look like something I want now.
2: <laughs> it's it's a really, really charming puzzle game, very simple puzzle game uh, from a developer named Dracneck, who made two of my favorite other puzzle games. One is this really tiny little thing called A Good Snowman is Hard to Build, um, and then – which. Uh, this is a very weird aside, but A Good Snowman heart is Hard to Build was once on sale for whatever the price, or the price was whatever the weather was in Celsius in their hometown at the time. And it was wow. winter, so like one day it was like $7, and the next day it was like $8. It's very silly. Um, great. And then the other one I think was called Cosmic Express, I believe is the name of it. Um, He's a really, he makes these great little puzzle games that are very, very simple, but v- just full of charm. Uh, and this one is actually an they, they call it an open world puzzle game so you're the whole puzzle is that you're pushing over logs and pushing over trees and then rolling the logs into water on these little islands these little grid based islands um and you're trying to build bridges to get to the next island and that's the whole game is just figure out how to push a tree to be in the right spot in the water to get to the next island but there's no like level select there's no menu like that you're just walking between islands And, uh, so it's open world in that you can go, you know, you could, one puzzle might have multiple solutions that lead you to different islands and then they branch off. Uh, and then the really cool thing about that is that occasionally in sort of a witness style, uh, twist, not as kind of blow your mind as the witness, but uh, occasionally certain kind of extra solutions will involve multiple islands that you've been through in solving them in different ways that then interact with each other and get you somewhere entirely different. Um, And it's just – it's very simple, just completely filled to the brim with charm and I've basically been using it as like my wind down game every night Yeah, where I'll just sort of, you know, before I go to bed, jump on and play 30 minutes of it and turn my brain off and solve some puzzles and, you know, I'll I'll have relaxed for the evening.
0: (laughs) That was what drew me to it when I looked it up and it it made me go, I I need this, is uh, some of the quotes – that were on the steam page were you know this is not this is a puzzle game but not one that's meant to fry your brain it's one that make meant to help you relax and like what a great idea for for a game especially right now i i'm into it it's very
2: sweet and and it's through puzzling exhibitions because you're a monster and the whole idea is that you're you're in a monster museum because all monster museums are outdoors and so you're walking between these pedestals and it's a monster museum of human things so you might walk Uh, up to uh. like a uh uh like an exercise bike on a pedestal and it'll have like a little placard with information about that object and all the 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 quotes and all the information is just hilariously written so like the the exercise bike's actually labeled as a laundry rack and Bad, like that's funny humans use this to store laundry once every six months they'll get on it and pedal to recharge the laundry rack and then leave it that's again funny. like it's it's really cute little things like that
0: yeah Again, that's called A Monster's Expedition. What else is on your playlist?
2: Uh, Probably the other thing I've been dipping into just like a little bit each evening is a game called Inertial Drift, uh, Mm. which is a... It's a racing game all about drifting that's like a twin stick racing game. It's got this great cel-shaded art style and you use the left stick to kind of normal... Turn normally, but your turn is very, very weak. And then you use the right stick to actually angle the drift of your car to get around mm-hmm. corners better. And it's really, really sensitive. So you can, you know, just angle a little bit of drift, just like keep your speed, or you can drift really hard to go around hard turns. Uh, and it's got a whole story mode that's kind of like visual novel style. And it just is like, it's one of those games that's really, really, really satisfying to just run the same course over and over and over and watch your time get a little bit quicker on each lap and a little, you just find the right way to just take that turn a little bit better and a little bit better. It's one of those great incremental games where it just feels very, very rewarding to do that.
0: Very cool. Christian, this seems like something that you would be into.
1: It does. Uh do you have that jingle ready for me though? I'll vamp here for a little bit. Um, um about you know, there's a lot of games to play. Hang and, on. Um the the one that goes like this? Too many games. That's yeah, the one. Too many, too
2: that, many that's, many that's, that's a one. good jingle, yeah. Yeah, There's too much. That. Use that a lot.
0: I was should have been quicker on the draw. Uh, yeah, there are there are definitely too many games, but um, this it seems like uh, one that you would you would. Be, I was reading a little bit about this one as well. The that twin stick idea. It seems uh, it's kind like, of like reminds of skate or something.
1: How am I going to play this game when I'm busy playing? remakes of tony hawk and mario games from 2000 and earlier like i don't <laughs> exactly. have time jeff
0: too many old games
2: <laughs> well that's also why my list is like crazy long like i could read you just like a dozen games off my steam page that i've tried in the last week or two right yeah because that's something i love doing is just sort of at the end of the day just trying something out and you know if it doesn't capture my attention i'll just move on but yeah i like just jumping around
0: yeah, Steam is a wild thing. Uh, there are so many games on Steam that I discover. And I'm like, this game is totally something I absolutely would love, and I've never heard of it. And it came out two years ago. How is that possible? It just, it just, yeah. It, it is an endless sea of creativity on Steam. I don't know how anyone makes money there, to be quite honest with you. But um, kudos. Uh, any other games that, in that vein that you want to mention?
2: Um. In that vein, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> okay, like, fair enough.
2: The, a lot of them, I literally will just jump in and like play a little bit of. I, like yeah. I was playing Star Renegades. I was really into. Oh,
0: dude, I went off on that last week. Yeah. I love that game.
2: That one's really, really fun, and I've been. I fell off that one a little bit for stuff like Inertial Drift. Actually, there was also a game that Devolver dropped out of nowhere like a couple weeks ago called Witch Eye. That's really neat. Mm. Um, but then again, I'm just like jumping around to a million different things besides that. So I won't I won't take up all the time with that.
0: Fair enough. Well, let's uh we'll move on to Christian's list in a second, but let me thank our second sponsor, which is Brooklyn. You've you've heard us talk about Brooklinen before, too. They're the home of the internet's favorite sheets and my sheets. The sheets, the only sheets I actually will use at this point because they're so much, so much nicer. But Christian and I both just got towels from Brooklyn. And have you heard about their towels? They are also amazing. Christian, how how about that fluffy,
1: fluffy towel? Uh, Used a mirror, uh, probably like an hour before we started doing this show. As I came in, showered, fresh, and ready. And it was wonderful.
0: It is truly a fluffy, fluffy pillow, too. It's like being wrapped in the the most wonderful... uh, towel i don't know it's i don't know what to compare it to i'm amazed by how fluffy and uh amazing and soft it is it's got plushness plushness uh you can wrap yourself in plushness i got the the extra large version and they come in a variety of colors it's pretty great it'll make you uh really feel the luxury and let's be honest right now people it's 2020 we can barely leave our house why not feel fresh feel good get wrapped up in luxury it wrapped up in that plush softness. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I love my Brooklinen sheets so much that I was willing to try anything that they, uh, they come out with. And I love a good towel. I'm very particular about my towels, but now I'm exclusive on the Brooklinen towel. Um, it's the perfect place, Brooklinen, to find all the comforts for your home, including those ultra soft towels. And uh, people at Brooklinen are so confident in their product that everything comes with a lifetime warranty, a lifetime warranty. If you use promo code DLC, you'll get 10% off your first order at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And the promo code DLC. Highly recommend trying the towels. You know I love them sheets. Uh, try it out, brooklinen.com, promo code DLC for 10% off. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, Christian Spicer, what's on your playlist?
1: Um, well, before we talk about game, something we didn't talk about kind of as news and is out now and um, I've been able to play around with. You know, We don't need to spend tons of time on it, but I am fascinated by it as we talked about Sony for a while. Um, NVIDIA Broadcast, which is kind of their next step toward, you know, from RTX Voice and you're, we're seeing a number of you know software companies provide things like this: virtual background, green screen without a green screen, um, background noise suppression, and all of that stuff. And um, NVIDIA Broadcast also has like a virtual mixer, similar to as I've talked about the WaveLink. It is only available on their RTX, it's like twenty series cards which are all that exist. I don't believe that third uh, 30 series cards are real. (laughs) They were, they were announced. I think they come out next year, Um, (laughs) but it's, it's fascinating. I I really love this stuff. And I talked about NVIDIA before where I I think that they are pushing tech in fun and interesting ways that maybe they don't get talked about enough because and they just bought the arm that huge, that huge arm acquisition too. I think they're going big. Um, but i think if a lot of the stuff they introduced was first introduced as like a console generation i think you'd be like oh they're so you know the nvidia console is innovative and this that and the other and i think because they live in this gpu computer space or like with the shield and maybe a little more gimmicky devices they don't necessarily get that recognition that i think they otherwise would and i think broadcast falls into that it is not you know, new in the sense that no one's done anything like this before, but I think it's a very slick bundle. And I like seeing things like this that package all of these things together into a piece of software that, and I don't think broadcast is this quite yet, but it's very close, but like it just works and it works across, you know, mics that you're using, cameras that you're using. And it's kind of this, this plug and play solution. I know you talked about maybe off mic last week when you were uh, out of your house, Jeffrey, you're like, it's amazing. Google Chrome. I can just get on a computer anywhere, log into Chrome. And it's like, there's my computer, you know, for Google docs and all these save settings and all that stuff. And I think broadcast brings a lot of that to kind of the streaming or now working from homing or, you know, child schooling, if they have a powerful GPU on their (laughs) school, um, System, so it's interesting, and and I want to see it democratized more. I'd love to see it in less powerful GPUs because the thing is, right now, I believe it's with 30 series cards. It's like a two percent hit is all it does. But if you're the type of person buying a 30 series card, you probably don't want that hit. And so, like, well,
0: I guess if you're streaming, but you know, it is. It's a pretty cool time for them to be releasing this because so many people are as you said, you know, working from home meeting, doing meetings from home. And I had a have a buddy who's, you know, a real world day job kind of fella. And he was like, you know, I, I invested in this suite to make my office look much better. I invested in lighting and cool stuff. Cause it's like any advantage I can have where somebody wants to look at my screen instead of my competitor is, is, is a plus. And This is the kind of thing I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but broadcast is the kind of thing where you can do that. Awesome. You know, soft focus in the background where it looks like makes your camera look like you spent a whole lot of money on a lens on your camera because you've got, you know, this shallow depth of field and it does all of that virtually. It it keys you out, you know, without you needing to put up any kind of background. It's extraordinary that all of that power can be just wrung out of your GPU and you can, it, it has all kinds of applications. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of people who stream would want that and then would not want it to compromise their game graphics. But it's cool that you can invest all this money in a gaming peripheral and then leverage it for non-gaming uses. I think that is so, so valuable.
1: And I think their investment in this ARM purchase, I think you're going to see this spread, right? Like sure. ARM chips are so powerful. And and it's the first step. And that's why I think NVIDIA you know pushing forward ray tracing or like way back in the day was it the not the 3d audio but i forget their other graphic term they had from like 1997 or whatever it was um i think it's really cool and i think it it got lost in the shuffle of the 30 series card so it's um available for the public now you do need an an rtx card but i think it's worth it's worth checking out and playing with The things I've been playing with It's a a way to rationalize your new GPU purchase, Christian. Don't minimize it. (laughs) You can't purchase a new GPU, though, Jeff. So that's the... yes problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, I have been living this too many games life and playing some old games. Um, Also, not to be overlooked, Donkey Kong Country 2 got released as part of the Switch Online Super Nintendo games. Donkey Kong Country 2 is in my opinion one of the best nintendo platformers of all time uh, probably the best music of any nintendo platformer ever i prefer tropical freeze um but i also recognize that tropical freeze would not exist but for donkey kong country 2 it is such an exquisite game it plays really well today the graphical style that rare did all those years ago holds up really well and if you already have you know your switch online membership because you bought it for thirty dollars and forgot about it go check it out it's a it's a new game added to the super nescan collection and it is it is phenomenal absolutely absolutely worth playing um the other game isn't necessarily absolutely worth playing (laughs) Uh, i got the new super mario all-stars collection which is mario 64 super mario sunshine and mario galaxy and i will start by saying that in my opinion Super Mario Sunshine is likely the worst 3D Mario game that Nintendo's ever made. But (laughs) I also think it is so very important, and I'm so happy they took a swing on it. This is the game that followed up Mario 64, which was one of the most revolutionary games of all time. One of the biggest steps forward for Mario totally transformed, you know, they're still called platformers or were for years, but created this genre of the 3D collecting game, right? The 3D uh, character action platformer game and has withstood the test of time with beautiful level design, fun worlds and secrets and bringing this franchise forward. After that, after that, the game they made was Sunshine, which is such a big swing, for a follow-up it is not super mario 65 you know, you know it's not the safe sequel to what 64 is it is like it, it's not spider-man miles morales you know it's not what we're anticipating god of war ragnarok to be it it, it was weird and and bold and maybe has the most cutscenes and voiceover for any nintendo game maybe still to this date like it opens with a full-on it's probably only five minutes but like movie and like Peach is talking, Toad's talking. The only person who doesn't talk is Mario. Mario's so like, oh. Peach is like, asks him a paragraph of questions. And Mario's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, Mario, you got you to gotta talk, buddy. But just absolutely fascinating. And kind of their first foray into seeing it's a 2002 game, like the shooter dominant open world with like hub worlds, while Mario 64 certainly had that you know, the castle to explore the way sunshine introduces the Isle Delfino and like the sub levels that fall off of that hidden little missions that are existing only within that Island where you find shines there or do character chases and this, that, and the other. Like I see a direct lineage from this game to Nintendo games, like certainly Splatoon and also to all the way to Odyssey with that level design exploration Things being around every corner, but then also still having some semblance of discrete levels, but making them feel like they're part of this larger whole—truly, truly fascinating. Um, I would say it's arguably the worst 3D Mario game they've ever made. The controls are are clunky. They, they, I think, jumped too far into the GameCube controller of like this was their first twin stick game. You know, for in, in many respects. And it kind of lost that thing of Mario 1 1, where the game is going to show you and tell you everything you need to know without you pulling up options. Like in Sunshine, kind of the first sub boss you battle, I don't, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I just played it yesterday. It doesn't like reintroduce how to do the ground pound jump. And you need to do that to take the boss out. And it's like you either find it, remember it or go into the pause menu and look up controls. And there's all, there's a bunch of those things where you're like some things that will intro you, you get your flood pack and there's like a whole little cutscene. It's like, use your art trigger to do this. Use RL to do this, hold this button to do this. Now this button does this and this button does this and now go, which is totally different than what a Mario game had been up to that point. And even a complex controlling game like Odyssey, where The main stuff you need it kind of introduces to you through exploration and and you know subtle curiosity and sunshine went for more of a here's a straight up tutorial and then other stuff is just kind of lost in the weeds with long levels without great and forgiving checkpoints and then also some of the most brutally punishing secret missions that pay homage to the old school games. It is a fascinating game and I I recommend the package just because. You know, if you haven't played 64 or Galaxy, both of those are are goat-tier games, in my opinion. I think they hold up well. But don't skip Sunshine. I think it is the worst game on the collection, but I think it is by far the most fascinating game for what Nintendo was doing and trying back in the GameCube era. And it needs to be celebrated for what it led to more than what it is as a game. It is wild as a firework goes off in the background to celebrate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you touch, you touched on something really interesting there, and this is going to sound, this is going to come off harsher than I mean it. Cause I do enjoy sunshine, but sunshine I- in a weird way, reminds me a little bit of uh like phantom menace where it's like, <laughs> like phantom menace may not be like a good movie, but like without phantom menace, we wouldn't have like the awesome droids. We wouldn't have the awesome visual style of Naboo. We wouldn't have like, sweet pod racing, right? Like it brought a lot, even if like the thing (laughs) itself wasn't great. And I think that you touch on that a little bit with Sunshine too, right? Where it's like that world is so cool and it set up so many ideas that like and introduced so many things that I I think you're right, are totally worth celebrating. Even if the package they were introduced in isn't like the best thing in the world or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean they gave Mario a gun well before <laughs> yeah. um Mario first rabbits did, and then someone in the chat said, "Yeah, you can't invert the control, which is annoying. It, you don't need it as much because it's not like a precision shooter using your flood." But I was annoyed that as an inverted y-axis person that I that I couldn't do that. But it is a it is a fascinating game. The collection itself is you know what it is in terms of the uprising and porting they did, but um I think it's worth checking out those three games again. Well, I, for one, would give up pod racing to be able to redo Phantom Menace, but that's just <laughs>
0: me. That's just but then you me. have to
2: get rid of the pod racing N64 game. It's, yeah,
0: I, I'm, it... I'm fine with that. Oh. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fine with that. Right. Anyway, that's a different argument for a different time. It is. Um, let me just mention um, my playlist briefly, because I do want to get to tabletop time. I don't want to hear about these uh, tabletop games you've been playing, Tom. Um, I played a, a game called Unrailed or I guess, unrailed, because it has an exclamation point at the end, um, that I find to be uh, delightful, but but also stressful. Yeah. Uh, if you are someone that likes Overcooked, the series, and let's be honest, it's a great game, uh, two great games, in fact, and you're looking for something that delivers more of that overcooked zaniness and, like, working with your friends and that crazy, like, oh, you gotta
1: do it, you gotta do it, ah!
0: Unrailed is your jam, and you should download it immediately. Uh, although, I don't... Actually, I, I'm not allowed to... I think it's not quite out yet, and I'm not allowed to give my actual review. So this is not an actual review. This is just my impressions. Be very clear about that. Um, but uh, it is, it is. I think, the subgenre of whatever Overcooked is, which is sort of that you know pressure, uh, get things done, multiplayer, cooperative experience... This is right in there, and I think deserves to be shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with a game like that. Unrailed is a train in this sort of uh, isometric voxel world. This, I find it very attractive, actually, this, all this beautiful voxel art in the game. Uh, a, a train is, is going down the track. The track is not finished, and there are things in front of the track that need to be cleared out. Uh, and you and your friends have to ensure that the train can go as far as possible without crashing the way you do that is you mine resources you knock down trees you you break up rocks that are in the path of the tree or around the area not the tree the train the train tracks in the path of the train tracks or around the area of the train and then you use those materials to build new tracks to build um, all, all bridges, all manner of things that are going to allow the train to keep going forward because it's going forward whether you like it or not. So this is basically, for all intents and purposes, it is a fuse that is lit, and there's a bomb at the end of the fuse, and you need to do everything you can to extend the fuse as long as you can. So this train is barreling down. It, it goes slowly, uh, faster and faster as the levels continue, But you have to build tracks. You can make it go to do turns. You can make it do all these wild things. It also starts overheating. So you'll need to get buckets of water and put out the fire by running up to the train and dumping water on it. And you do it with friends. The the only downside is that if you don't have friends, (laughs) uh, the game uh, allows you to play single player and with bots. And the bots are not very smart. So it really adds a level of challenge because you have to command them. It allows you to give commands to all the bots. So uh, there's plenty to do without having to also command the bots. But commanding the bots uh, is like is very very difficult to to do all of that. You become doing this real time strategy game, and I'm sure there's some people who probably be very good at it. I am not one of those people. Um, this this game gives you that stress in in I guess a very pleasurable way. <laughs> Uh, but again, not, not a review, just my impressions and my impressions are very positive for unrailed, which is, uh, is, you know, like I said, anybody that likes overcooked and you've got friends that want to sit on the couch with you and play this, or you can play online with the, all the levels are procedurally generated. So there's infinite plays. You can, you know, create a seed level and share it with your friends to try that, or just try random levels. It, yeah, it's uh it, it delivers that kind of zaniness and I think those kinds of games are are in a lot of people's hearts. So uh, Unrailed something to check
1: out.
2: Yeah, I I just real quickly also second that because this this game came out in early access on Steam late last year uh and it's 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 a hoot. It's just a real fun time. It's like someone took that scene from uh Wallace and Gromit where he's laying down the track yeah. in front of him yes. as it's going and just made <laughs> yes. a game about that. And it's yeah, it's a blast. Such
0: a great reference. Yes, that is that. That is awesome. Um, I also uh, played some Spelunky 2. Um, Sony sent me a, a review copy of Spelunky 2. I wasn't a Spelunky fan, and I immediately recognized that I'm not a Spelunky 2 fan. There's just something about the way that game moves that just doesn't gel with me in some weird way. I don't get it. In the same way that I was never a Mega Man fan. To me, Spelunky feels like Mega Man. He's like heavy in a weird way that I never... Just never got into my DNA. Uh, and it's just I I get it uh, totally on me, not on the game. I recognize that Spelunky 2 is um brilliant in, in a number of ways. But
1: Christian, the reason I bring it up is why aren't you a Spelunky? I feel like Spelunky is your jam. Yeah, I had a Twitter poll going where it was like, if I'm gonna play Hades or Spelunky 2, which one? And Hades won that vote. I um and I haven't played either. I, I think. For me, it's what I talked about maybe last episode or a couple episodes ago. It's the roguelike nature of it. Like, to me, Mega Man is enjoyable because I know that if I do it enough times, I will figure it out. In Spelunky, it seems like what you're figuring out is more the system, which then leads to you figuring out the progression, but not the game itself. I like Mega Man that after I beat a boss, I don't have to play that boss again. Like, I don't know if I enjoy the stress of... You know, Dead Cells I loved and I haven't played after like the last big update again. I apparently made it easier. But like, I loved, it, I loved it. 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 I never was able to beat whatever it was, the Dark King or whatever the, the last boss was. And I was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to get this role again. Like, and I kind of yeah. get discouraged by it. So I have my eye on Splunky 2. I'm going to wait for a PC because it feels weird to me to buy a PS4 game right now. Um, like, I don't know if this comes over. I think so. I think your digital stuff does. But it still feels weird. So I'm waiting for PC. And then I I might try it as I, you know, as a as another stream game, because I could see the appeal there. And Hades is the same way. I hear the story, you know, between those deaths, the story's really good. But uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying my one nostalgia trip right now. I think that's my comfort food. <laughs> and, and and two, I'm afraid of the uncertainty a little bit of, of this style of game.
0: All right, well, let's move on. I want to get some tabletop time in, so let's do that right now. Right now, right now. Tabletop time has been few and far between on the show and also in my life in the COVID world. It's hard to play board games, even just. With my wife and I, it just there doesn't seem to be time anymore. Somehow we're all staying home and now I have less time. I don't know how that works, but I'm very pleased to hear, Tom, that uh, you have played a couple of games that I'm very interested in hearing about. Uh, what what has been hitting your table?
2: Yeah, no, similarly, you know, it's it's hard to play tabletop in, in uh, isolation. But uh, recently my brother bought me a copy of a game called Fort uh, for my birthday, yes. actually, which was lovely of him um and this is the
0: leader games right the the same people that did root
2: uh yes well i think i'm not sure actually if they did root i know it's the same artist as root Hmm. um but it's it's a deck building game uh that's like the art style is great because the artist uh cal farron you know root is just a beautiful game and similarly fort is a beautiful game it's not really a board game as much as a card game uh and the whole theme is just lovely where you're little kids uh you know building your your posse of friends as you build up your fort and you know you all the 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 resources in the game are like uh pizza is one of the resources and you have like you, you just have like stuff is like one of your re- like places you keep your things is you just, this is where your stuff is, This is my stuff, you know, like it, <laughs> yeah. it's very cute in that way. Um, and one of the things I love about it is that it's a deck building game, but, and I love deck building games, but it's a deck building game where I feel like there's a ton of interaction with what other people are doing, because every time you play your turnout, like you play a card, uh, the card will have an effect you can do and an effect everyone can do. So you kind of have to think about, okay, if I play this card, I get the effect that I get, but I and I also get this other thing, but then maybe that's good for my opponent, right? Maybe mm, they're going to be doing cool. something else. So you're thinking a lot more about what everybody else is doing on their turns, and also that means that everyone's turn is everyone else's turn too, because when they make their choice, everyone gets to act. Um, right. So there's a lot of interaction in that way. It's also this weird thing where instead of just discarding your hand, any cards that you didn't use at the end of a turn – You put into what's called your yard and then other people get to potentially steal them from your deck. Mm. So I really I've only played, you know, a a couple games because it's limited and only two player. But um, it's it's really charming and it's just got a lot of kind of twists on a genre I already really, really like
0: sounds a bit like puerto rico where you, you you pick a role and everybody gets to do something because you picked
2: that role. right right yeah, yeah. Or, or uh what's the other one um rising sun was had another right. one with this mechanic where you know the person yeah. playing the thing gets a stronger effect but everyone gets a thing as well i really yeah. dig that um cool yeah oh and it is you, you are correct they did do root as well
0: yeah i i think that their whole gimmick is that they have these like four letter short titles with, for everything root <laughs> fort. Uh, I think there's a couple other ones. Um, yeah, that's kind of their, their gimmick right now, but, um, it's also, you also-
2: it's also real quick. It's such a small box, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> working from home full time. I totally appreciate games with that are just tiny boxes, especially somebody who I speaking of rising sun, like backed that game with every expansion. And now I have these huge boxes of minis and nobody to <laughs> yeah. play them with and then i have yeah. this like, cute little game for it. it's just it's nice
0: <laughs> that's how i am dude i just i, I literally just got the next gloom haven i'm like why <laughs> I'm, there's no one i have no one to play this with right now and i'm just gonna be this massive box frost haven is what i got but yeah anyway um uh, tell me about telstone's uh, king's gambit as well it's the the right games um game right
2: yeah this is the new one from riot uh they did mechs versus minions previously yeah. uh which got i've never played but people were really into and now riot has actually formed kind of a wing now that riot's making you know more than just League of legends they're making a ton of stuff um like valorant and you know uh, uh i'm forgetting the card game there's that they a, made like
0: six of them yeah yeah there's a ton there's of all games that have announced yeah um
2: yeah now that they're making more, they actually made a riot tabletop division. And the first game that they're doing is this game called Telstone's King's Gambit. And it's not really a board game, uh, as much as it's like, uh, it, it's hard to explain. It's like they made a ancient kind of pub game in the history of one of their fictional countries in league of legends. It's kind of rad. Yeah. Is, is it like kind of like Liar's Dice a bit? It's got the same vibes, different mechanics, obviously, but it's the same vibes. So the whole game is that you have these things called like stones, which have an image on one side and are blank on the other. Uh, and the board starts with just one of them down. And each turn, you get to do one of a very small handful of things, which is could be. Adding one stone to the line, flipping one stone upside down, swapping the positions of two stones, or looking at a stone. And then the last thing you can do is you can point to a stone and you can that's face down and challenge your opponent to name what symbol is under there. Because there's seven unique symbols. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can say, tell me what that one is. And if they can, they get a point. And if they can't, you get a point. Uh, and then the last thing you can do is you can say, I can name, you can boast, which is you say, I can name every upside down symbol all in order without getting a single one wrong. Uh, and if you do that, then your opponent can do a couple things. They can either just say, I believe you. And if they say, I believe you, you just get a point. Uh, if Hmm. they say, I don't believe you, you can try to prove it. And if you prove it, you win immediately. So like (laughs) And if, but if you don't, if you get it wrong, you lose immediately. And the last thing they can do is they can say, I don't care. I can name them two and they actually steal it from you. And then you have to either say, I believe you or I don't believe you. So there's this wow. weird sort of, it's a bluffing game and a memory game, but it's all tied up in sort of, how you know you're basically the gameplay is just switching up stones adding stones moving them around peeking at them when you can and then it's just a matter of like picking your battles of like if i go too early like if there's one stone flipped and that's it you could just say i can name them all but then your opponent can just say so can i and steal it from you so you need to be confident that they don't know it but you do but also you need to be confident that you actually do um it's just this awesome yeah it's It's, this weird sort of just bluffing thing and it's it's you know it's dirt simple not and i don't mean that as like a an insult like it feels like something that they would be playing in medieval pubs in damasia right which is exactly (laughs) the lore of the game
0: yeah that's really cool man i it reminds me of stuff like 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 liars Dice, where i or i guess um you know it almost uh, reminds me of uh shell game you know like the the old right this con artist shell game thing, you know, we're like, I'm moving it around. Where, where, find the peanut, find the peanut, you know, like, yeah. And it's
2: very different from Mex versus minions, right? Where mechs versus minions sure. is a classic designer board game, full of minis, lots of things, yeah. right? Obviously yeah. it's unique. It's just, you know, it, it's, it is a board game. This really, really does feel like what they were setting out to make, which is sort of this in universe passed down game. And it, it's very unique in that regard.
0: It's cool. And it looks like the components are very high quality. It looks like those stones are neat looking.
2: They're nice. They're like they're they're basically like uh, n- not poker chips, like domino kind of texture, right? Domino feeling, mm, right. yeah. And they're like it,
0: thick. Yeah,
2: it's a small little metal case, uh, and it's it's a pretty cool little thing. It's not. Awesome. It's not trying to be any more than it is. You know.
0: That's Telstone's King's Gambit and Fort. Awesome. Very cool hearing about some tabletop stuff, but that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Tom Marks, thank you so much for being here, man. It was awesome talking to you.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Where can folks follow you and all the things that you do online?
2: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, @TomRMarks. Tom R. Marks. Um, Obviously you can also check me out on IGN. My Twitter has a link to uh, my IGN author page where you can follow me there and see everything I've written. All the videos I've made. Um, You can catch me usually on Wednesdays, not every week, but most weeks uh, on our Nintendo podcast called Nintendo Voice Chat, uh, or sometimes less frequently on our PlayStation podcast, Podcast Beyond. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: Very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week?
1: Twitter's the best way, at Spicer, to see uh, what is or is not going on. And then I will be encouraging people to go to vote.org to make sure that they are registered to vote, look into their mail-in or absentee ballot um, options and things they can do in that regard. And the vote is yours, so be sure to use it. Go to vote.org to get everything lined up.
0: Agreed. Yeah, do it early, do it early, do it early. Uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can email us here at DLC by emailing uh, DLCfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We love uh, getting your recommendations, your comments, your questions, anything you want to do to reach out. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. I have a few other shows for you to check out as well, including the slash filmcast, which is at slash filmcast.com. We talk about movies and TV shows there and every episode. I uh, incorporate into my review of the movie that we're doing a limerick and people have encouraged me to start doing limericks for them. So I am now also on Cameo at cameo.com slash Jeff Canada selling limericks. So if you'd like a limerick for any occasion, I've gotten, I've done over 35 of them now and, uh, the, all kinds of different occasions, birthdays and anniversaries and, I helped somebody announce the birth of their child. Uh, lots of wonderful things. If you'd like a personalized, bespoke limerick from yours truly, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. Uh, I also do the comedy science show We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. You can learn something and laugh along the way. And my long-form Dungeons & Dragons show is called The Dungeon Run. Um, you can find a 20-minute recap video uh, on jeffcanada.com actually. Or uh, by visiting the Caffeine YouTube page. And uh, it'll catch you up on the show. You can jump right in and join us now. We're on episode 64, I believe, this week. Uh, We did a 20-minute quick recap of the first 63 episodes. So check that out. Uh, You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can listen as an audio podcast by uh, searching for The Dungeon Run wherever you get podcasts. Or you can join us live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a
0: parting gift.
2: This is your parting gift.
0: Tom, do you have a recommendation to help people get through their week?
2: I have a terrible one, but yes. Uh, Something I've done recently on the recommendation of a friend was start one piece from episode one. Uh, for those not familiar, One Piece is an anime that has been running for 20 years and has wow. 950 episodes currently.
0: Oh my. Still, oh my. Still
2: going weekly. Uh, I'm recommending this because I had a friend who's in love with One Piece who said, this show is great. You gotta start it. It's just start from the beginning. I know it sounds crazy and I thought it would be a terrible idea, but weirdly enough, it's actually seriously holds up and is, is really, really fun. And I, it's just been, one of those consistent things that I've been doing regularly now I'm like 90 episodes in and, and would actually very much recommend it to people
0: that's amazing well are you is it on crunchy roll or it's where, on, where I'm watching it?
2: on a funimation
0: funimation so that's one piece on funimation very cool well, that's an that's an undertaking I am <laughs> daunted by that even idea of that
1: I was too <laughs> but, man but I'm I'm into it I'm into it it's awesome uh Christian Spicer you got a parting gift I do. It's probably old to some folks now, but iOS fourteen is out. I updated my iPhone ten R to it, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I know a lot of times I included wait for the big OS updates um, to give them a little bit of time, but the features for this one felt like they would actually um, make my life easier in ways, and so I took the plunge, you know, fairly early after public release. And one of my favorite features about it is in the accessibility sub-menu, you can turn on back tap to have back taps do a few things, like either double tap the back of your phone or triple tap. And you don't, there are a few things I wish I could make as options for that that um, you can't. But what I have double tap on the back of my phone do now is take a screenshot, which is far more convenient for me than like the sleep button and the volume. What is it? Down button or whatever. So now I hold my How does it know you're tapping the back? You just tap tap. How does it know? Probably the gyro. I don't know. Yeah, I guess the, it's got to be, right? It's probably the camera that's filming me and sees my back tap face, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Do, it, it doesn't matter if you want have a case on
1: it. just you can back taps. That's I got my cool. Pokemon uh, case case on it and it works. It Ooh. works just fine. It's really cool. It's got to like, be the gyro, right? Yeah. Wow. I like the widgets addition to the home screen. Android's been doing a lot of this stuff for a while but it feels like a nice um upgrade and update. So if you have a a phone that supports it, and I think all that supported 13 do, give it a try. And I was surprised it came out like I'm usually fairly in touch with a lot of Apple rumors and having it release without their phone announcement, I was like, "Ooh, it is coming." <laughs> and uh, if you're on the fence as well, I I'm enjoying iOS 14.
0: Tap tap.
1: Yeah. Tap tap. My
0: parting gift is a show on HBO Max that I don't understand why everyone isn't talking about. This is like for me, this is Game of Thrones quality. Everyone, sh- this, everyone should be obsessed with this show. It's called Raised by Wolves, and it's incredible. It's a sci-fi show. I don't even want to ruin anything. I didn't know anything about it before I started watching it, and I thought the first episode was straight up masterpiece. Uh, And it it, it carries on pretty well after that. But the first episode like could just be a standalone movie as it has. It's a masterpiece. Um, This is an amazing, like the kind of sci-fi you don't see anywhere anymore. Very dense, very out there. Lots of big ideas, dramatic intent. It's so good. It's called raised by wolves. It's a, an HBO max original series. I think there's only seven episodes. But run, don't walk, as far as I'm concerned. it's If you like good sci-fi, this is hardcore awesome. Raised by wolves. All right, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent by Josh. Josh says, I know many DLC listeners are middle-aged gamers, perhaps even parents like us, and so they may be in the same boat as me when it comes to having a mortgage. I thought that our mortgage rate was good because we bought during the end of the great recession and got a 3.6 rate, 2.6% rate. I knew that rates went way down with COVID-19 tanking the econ- uh, economy, and I had even looked into refinancing. Some of the articles online said it wasn't worth it or that the bank systems were so backlogged that you'd never be able to get it done ear- or easily. Well, my financial planner convinced me to seriously pursue refinancing this past week. All it took was shooting a quick email to the lender who did my original mortgage. And within 24 hours, I was able to submit all the paperwork easily online and will now be closing on a new refinanced mortgage at 2.6%, a full point lower next month. This is gonna save me about $400 a month on my mortgage for pretty much no work on my part. Now is the time to strike if folks think they may be in a similar boat. I thought this was such a cool parting gift because we don't get financial advice to people. I think that, that's Brilliant. My wife and I also just refinanced our mortgage and lowered our rates significantly. It's a great time to do that. And if there's anybody out there that's like me that kind of feels overwhelmed by that kind of thinking, listen to Josh. It is really very, very easy to do. So uh, I I
2: got to say, I feel a little bad about recommending people watch 950 episodes of an anime now.
0: (laughs) No, not at all.
1: (laughs) Not at all. Uh, (laughs) It's awesome. Um, I just want to say that Josh... I appreciate the flex, you know, like you're an adult and you've got your stuff together. But then I'd also like to say to Josh, hey, dude, don't make assumptions. I'm 16 and hella young and chill. Okay. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> says, the
0: guy, says the guy who just moved into a new house, uh, getting, getting, you got that sweet mortgage, yeah, mortgage on uh, you, too, with buddy. My,
1: with my parents. Oh, I'm so young. <laughs> That's Ugh. your wife, buddy. That's <laughs> your wife and
0: two children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, if you'd like to have your parting gift right on the show, please send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. Thanks again to Josh for sending his. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you to Tom Marks and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for fact-checking us in real time and making sure we know what we're talking about, or at least we sound like we do. And thank you to you, dear listener, for downloading the show. We appreciate you. And we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.